This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, welcome to the Roman League Podcast. I'm your host, Roman Vosco, Tyler. Today's episode will look back at the Week 8 win versus the Annapolis Colts. This team doesn't win pretty, but a win is a win. These dudes fight, and that's all you can ask for for a fan of this team. This team is in the thick of the wild card race with a half a season to go. So you had to be happy where they're at considering where they started at 1-4 just two weeks ago. I'll preview the Week 9 matchup versus the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikes are 6-1 and, and have one of the best starts of the year of any team in the league so far. The commanders are out their hands full. They tried to win their fourth in a row for the second straight year. About to get to, so here we go. And really, the review begins and ends with um, Terry McLaurin. I mean, Terry freaking McLaurin. Like, I mean, he was a stud as usual. Um, basically won the last two games for Washington, coming back for the catch on third down against Jair Alexander against the Packers. Um, he had a touchdown in the game as well, one-on-one against Jair Alexander, who's a good corner. And Terry, you know, really had his, you know, had his way with him for the most part. Um, this week against the Colts, you know, he had six catches, 113 yards. The play of the game, obviously, the jump ball there is Stephon Gilmore. Um, hella freaking effort, just going up and getting that ball, head-topped him, just took it from him. Um, textbook, the way he was able to lean and take his body, contort his body and pull the ball away from Stefan. And obviously Stefan Gomez is a former defensive player of the year, one of the best corners in the league. Or obviously he's slowed down a little bit recently, but you know, still a good player. I mean, Terry made him you know, look like he was an average player in that play. And that's that's why, you know, it's a perfect example why Terry needs to get the ball more. I mean, Terry is their best player, their best offensive player at the very least. You can argue Jonathan Allen on the other side is the best player overall on the team. But, you know, Terry is just a flat-out stud. I mean, he's top 10, top 12 receiver in this league. If he ever has consistent quarterback play, um, whether it's Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, whoever the quarterback's going to be next year, but um, you know Terry, I mean, he's been great after the catch this year. Rarely goes down after first to contact, breaks a tackle. His speed is still, of course, um, elite in this league, and I, I just don't see how you can't give this guy ten targets a game because he's your best player on offense and he needs to get the ball. Um, he's proven back to back why, back to back weeks why this team paid him seventy million. And he's been worth every penny. For what he does on the field, what he does off the field, he's just a great, great presence to have in that locker room. He's a leader. He's an amazing individual off the field. What he does for his philanthropic, you know, I'm trying to say <laughs> efforts, philanthropic efforts. Excuse me. Um, his charity work. Um, you know, Terry's just a guy that's a hell of an individual, and Washington is so lucky to have him considering the way their organization's been run the last 20 years. So, uh, I'm just happy to see him. You know, get some shine, able to do it in his home city in Indianapolis. Just seeing that emotion that he shows it really doesn't show the last two weeks. He showed how excited he was, how much this team, how much this game means to him. And him just yelling, this is my city, um, which is cool to see. You know, and, and Terry's just an absolute stud. And I, I'm really, really happy he's a Washington commander. Uh, you know, being a fan of this team my whole life, I don't think we've ever had a guy like this that's so you know, perfect on the field and off the field. So, um, you know, fans should be very lucky to have him. Um, Obviously, even when I was back as a scout, I never thought Terry would be this. I don't think anyone really did. Um, Ohio City was overshadowed by guys like Paris Campbell, who was drafted ahead of him and was on the Colts on the other side on Sunday. There's no competition of who was a better receiver in that class between those two. So um, Terry was supposed to come in and be a basically special teamer, a gunner, um, right away one of the best gunners in the draft that year, and then maybe work his way up to be a you know, number three receiver, number two at the top. But 
you showed about why we have scoutings and exact science and, you know, why it's not always what, you know, they put on college. I mean, Ohio State had so much talent there um, that, you know, it overshadowed Terry. Um, but Terry's a guy that, you know, by his time in Ohio State and when he got his opportunity in the NFL to be an impact guy that's on, that's relied upon on, to be a number one target, he showed he was able to do it. And really from day one, I mean, you go back to that week one game against Philly in 2019, you know, one of the first plays of the game, that deep post from Case Keenum showed what he can do. And he's hasn't slowed down since, and his numbers could be a lot better if he ever had a consistent quarterback. So I know he's not talked about it along with those guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. And he might not be there yet, I, I, I'll give you that. But, I mean, he's not too much behind them. But if he had a quarterback, he could be putting up some similar numbers. So um, Washington is very lucky to have him. You know, Taylor... You know, Taylor is what he is. I mean, I, I think I said on last year's podcast, you know, he, he's just a gamer. I mean, he's going to keep you in the game. He's going to make some things that make you upset. But, I mean, that gutsy fourth down where, I mean, two fourth downs, you know, in the last two drives, both the Curtis Samuel were hell of a play. while Taylor said in pocket on the one. Second one to evade the rush, you know, get outside and throw Curtis Samuel towards the sideline and get him open. So, um, obviously, you can't discount the bad interception. That was a horrible, horrible interception. Now his arm did get hit. But it was a bad you know, decision to throw the ball, and it was Cam Simpson was surrounded by four Colts players. So um, he can't do that. I mean, that's why his ceiling is pretty limited as a starting quarterback in this league. But you can win with him, So and they're winning with him right now. So this team rally, rallies around. This team loves him. I think his arm strength has gotten better to an extent, but even on that touchdown, even that, that big play to Terry to seal the game, I mean, a quarterback with an NFL prototypical arm throws Terry in the end zone wide open, he doesn't have to, you know, make a contested catch like that over Gilmore. So either way, I do like that he gives, you know, Terry a shot. I mean, Terry hasn't always had a quarterback that's going to give him a shot and throw the ball up and see what he can do. But Taylor's always been that way, and that definitely helps Terry. And I think that's why Terry likes playing with him, because he knows he's going to get the ball and he knows he's going to get a shot to make a play no matter if he's covered or not. So, um, you know, Taylor has all his flaws, but, you know, he's a guy that he can win. You know, he can win, and, you know, at this point, if he splits one of these next two, uh, against Minnesota and Philly. I don't see how they can really go back to Carson. doesn't mean that Carson won't play again the rest of this year because Taylor's inevitably going to have some lows. Maybe you go back to Carson then. But if this team goes 3-1 before Carson's able to come, I think you got to stay with you know uh, Taylor behind center. And obviously he gives the best chance for this team to win behind that horde offensive line. Like They need a mobile quarterback if they're going to have any success the rest of the year, and Taylor just has that, and Carson doesn't. So that definitely has to be considered. Um, keep featuring AG and Brian Robson Jr., J.D. McKissick. You know, J.D.'s going to get his targets, hopefully, you know, five to seven a game. He deserves it. One of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. I like the way they're using AG now, getting seven catches, seven carries. Yeah, he deserves those 10 to 15 touches a game, whether it's catches or carries. He's too explosive a player not to get the ball as much as possible. I know they love Brian Robinson, and he's a really good in the between tackle runner, but he's not explosive like AG. So if they can keep a, kid, keep a good mix between those two, it's really going to help this offense. Um, continue to hit their stride and hopefully make them, you know, a formidable threat on the outside of the ball. Curtis Samuel was clutch. Those two fourth down plays. Um, you know, he's showing what he could have been last year if he wasn't hurt. Um, it was a good signing by this team. That's what I said from the beginning. Uh, I'm going to stick by that as, you know, obviously last year was a wash year, but he's a guy that's still only 26 years old. He's a really good player. I love the way he, you know, was able to play out of the backfield as well. And he's been a really good compliment to Terry. Um, and it's only gonna, he's only going to get more reps once Jahan Dotson gets back and get some more coverage taken away from him. So um, Cam Sims had a nice catch on that in-breaking route in that last drive of the game. It was a really good throw by Taylor. You know, Cam deserves some more shots too, especially if Jahan's going to be out and Deion is going to be out. Um, hope to see Titans get a little more involved going forward. You know, Logan's been quiet. I know he just got back, but he didn't really get the ball too much. Amani Rodgers had a screenplay. I think in the third quarter was a nice, you know, 10, 12-yard gain. Um, but I'd like to see those guys get a little more, you know, involved. But, you know, I, you can't complain team one. O-line was, you know, middle of the pack again. They're nothing great. Um, 
Trey Turner, I thought was okay playing for Sadiq Charles. I think they should go back to Sadiq when he's healthy, though. Um, but again, he was able to hold his own. I think Norwell is just slow, man. He's just slow and not, you know, what he used to be. He used to be a pretty good, you know, starting guard and made the Pro Bowl. But it's just not what it is. And, you know, I really would consider moving Sadiq Charles to left guard and Sam Cosby to right guard and keeping Cornelius like a right tackle. I think I'm going to your best five out there right now. But, you know, we'll see what happens when Sam Cosby's fully healthy and even when Sadiq Charles is back from his illness. Really want to see Jahan Dotson back. I just, you know, loved watching him. He was a really good first-round pick for this team, really good rookie season so far. They need his explosive off the, off the line. Really good route runner, probably the best on the team right up there with Terry. So this team misses him, um, especially in the red zone and, you know, those third and four or five short situations because Jahan's able to get up, get open and get open quickly. Um, that's really going to help Taylor, you know, get more comfortable back there as well. Defensively, the defensive line was stout as usual. They did a really good job against Jonathan Taylor for the most part. You know, they had really had one to two you know, explosive runs, which are 20 yards plus. Um, and even on one of them, he had a fumble um, because Derek Forrest came up and stuck him pretty good. Um, but D-line was good. John Allen, Deron Payne had a really nice game. Both had sacks. Deron's playing like he's playing for a contract, and obviously he is. So um, it's glad to see him playing the way he is. I thought James Williams stood out, had a pretty nice game. Montez was quiet for the most part. They needed to get back to where he was a few weeks ago. Um, but his game's only going to get elevated once um, uh, Chase Young's back. Jamin Davis is developing. He made a really good play in that you know, goal-to-go situation. Um, really good read. You know, hit him in the backfield. Jamin's a guy that I've been high on. I know the team is you know struggle to bring him along because they put him in some bad situations. But if they let him you know go out and play with his you know less to think about, he's going to be better. I mean that is what he is. We showed that Mike Linebacker that was in his position last year. He had to play a little bit of it on Sunday because Cole Holcomb was out. But they put him on the outside like they have been. Jamin's going to be a really good you know hopefully starting linebacker. Honestly, he's been stepping up the last couple weeks and he needs to be commended for that. I mean. Can't say enough about Cam Crow. Had a really nice game again. I love, just love watching him play. He's one of the best defensive players in this team, and it's so crazy that he, you know, he was the one wearing the green dot on Sunday, communicating with the team. They didn't want to go with Jamin or even David Mayo. They're, they counted on a third year, thir- third year safety who's a seventh round pick to call plays for them. And I think it speaks volumes what they think of Cam Crow and the player and, you know, really smarts that he has. I know he's a really big film watcher. And it just shows how this team much values him. Um, he's a guy that should be looking to get an extension after this year since he's just extension eligible since he's going into his fourth year next year. And it's someone they need to lock up because he's a really good starting safety in this league. St. Jude's got to be a little, especially on that Alec Pierce ball down the, throw, uh, down the middle of the field. Wild Goose held again. He's definitely a little handsy, but he's a second-year player, and that's going to be expected playing in the nickel. Kendall, I thought, had a pretty solid game, one of his better ones of the year. Um, hopefully he can continue that because obviously he's had a pretty poor year so far. St. Juice is still the best cover corner for this team, um, but it was nice to see um, uh, Kendall play better. Um, reports today that William Jackson will be cut if he's not traded today by the 4 o'clock deadline. This is being recorded before the deadline on Tuesday. Um, so it looks like St. Juice, Wild Goose, and Kendall are your top three corners. Um, if someone gets hurt, so you're going to have like Danny Johnson step up um, or maybe a corn elder off the practice squad. So or even Christian Holmes, who's been playing really well in safety, excuse me, on special teams. Um, I thought Bob McCain was, you know, had some moments in the game, a couple moments that made you scratch your head as well. But first play of the game, he snuck out a screen, um, and he's someone that, you know, is a solid player back there, not great, but, you know, he's a solid free safety for the most part, average, you know, player. Derek Forrest just keeps making plays when he's out there. He obviously doesn't play every game, every play, but uh, he, he, made, he had that uh, force fumble on Jonathan Taylor, which is a hell of a play. Um, Indianapolis is driving, killed some of the momentum. Um, so, I mean, that back end of the secondary made plays. Cam Crow stopped Michael Pittman Jr. on the end of round that set up the mental fourth down what made them feel good and had them kick a field goal. It really helped the team stay, you know, close as possible. Um, so, again, the defense stuck up and they've been really good these last month of the season. And if offense can catch up with them, you know, this team continue to cooking with gas and hopefully keep winning games. 
Um, hopefully Chase Young is back next week. Looks like he's going to start practicing tomorrow on Wednesday. I don't expect him to play against Minnesota, but I think he's, you know, really good shot to play against Philly on Monday night next week. Um, so I think it's going to be very excited for this. I think a lot of fans and people are just going to see, excited to see him back out there. You know, former second overall pick, former rookie of the year. I'm excited to see him back out there just with Montez and the way the defense line has been playing. Um, again, he might not be very impactful right away from day one, having almost a year off. But um, as the season goes on, I know he's going to get better and better, and hopefully next year he's going to get back to where he was his rookie year. So still, you know, Chase Young has the potential to be the best player on this team based on his physical talent, and I think he's hopefully just having him out there is going to help Montez Sweat, Allen, and Payne, even if he's used um, just to draw attention away from those guys. So that's going to be a really big, you know, uh, boost for this team. Trade deadline options is like anyone's going anywhere. Like I said, if William Jackson's traded, that's probably the only one getting moved. Ron and Tony Gibson, they haven't mentioned, but they're trying to contend. Those guys are under contract for another year. Um, well, at least Antonio Gibson is around Payne isn't, but it looks like they're trying to resign him. If they can, great. It's going to be a lot of money tied up in the defensive line, but, you know, it is what it is. He's a hell of a player, so I don't, you know, not against him bringing him back. So trade deadline-wise, I don't think they're going to really bring anything. I would look for corner, cause especially if they're going to cut William Jackson, and they're really, really almost even pretty much an experience there with Wild Goose and St. Juice, and there's no depth. But, you know, it looks like they're riding with those three. If something happens to them, it's going to be tough, but that, that is the way the team's going right now. Uh, moving to the Viking game, we got the Vikings defense, Alvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, Jonathan Boards, the top three. I was starting three defense linemen, three, four set. Look for James Lynch and Ross Blacklock to play. If Thomason and Bullard are out, they both are, have injuries as of now. Thomas is a really good player. It'll be helpful for Washington if he's not there on Sunday. Um, off the edge, they have Daniel Hunter and uh, Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith leads the NFL with eight and a half sacks. Um, both, you know, really good players off the edge. Daniel Hunter's sack numbers are down, but he's still one of the best edge rushers in the league. Um, then you got Michael Kendricks, uh, excuse me, Eric Kendricks, and Justin Hicks, a middle linebacker, and their 3-4 set. Both really good linebackers. Kendrick's better than Hicks. And then the secondary, Patrick Peterson, who's aging, but still a good corner. Cameron Dancer is a young, up-and-coming third-year player out of Mississippi State. Um, Andrew Booth Jr., the rookie from Clemson, and then Ch- Chandon Sullivan, the guy who came over from the Packers after four years there, who's you know, a solid depth corner from Minnesota. And then you have Harrison Smith, Harrison Smith and Cameron Bynum starting for them at safety. Harrison Smith, still one of the better safeties in the league, even after you know, getting into his early to mid-30s. Minnesota gives up 275, 275 yards passing a game, 107 rushing per game. That's good for a 4.2 yards per carry for Minnesota, so you can run on them, giving up a 400 yards a game, over 400 yards a game, excuse me. Um, stick with the game plan. This team has to run the ball, set up the play action, get a Gibson the ball, get Robinson the ball, get McKissick the ball, keep mixing up the backs, keep them fresh, um, give Minnesota a different look with each three because each three provides a little bit something different. Um, and especially, you know, definitely keep running if, if Thomas is out because he's one of the better rush defenders um, in the league. Uh, take pressure off Heineke. You know, run the ball. The more he passes, the more he's going to make mistakes. And if he's asked to do too much, he's, you know, prone to, you know, try to put the team on the back of the Superman, and that's where he gets in trouble. Um, so, again, they got to have to keep running the ball because it's really going to help this team be as successful as possible. Got to help um, Cosme, or it looks like Kareem Lucas, again, and uh, Charles Leno with Neil Hunter and Zadaria Smith. Again, that's a really good pass duo, pass rush duo, one of the best in the league. Um, said at the opening, have to get Terry the ball. They can't guard him. Cameron Dancer, Patrick Peterson, I don't care who they put on him, no one's going to be able to guard Terry. So give him the ball, whether it's screens, swing passes, they've done a little bit of them out of the backfield, slants, go balls, whatever. He needs to get the ball. He can, they can throw on Minnesota, and Terry should be getting the ball. Continue to utilize Curtis as they have been the last couple weeks. I love the way they've been using him. Continue to do it that way. Scott Turner has some familiarity with him going back to Carolina, of course. And hopefully Jahan's back, because Jahan obviously is another really good receiver. And when those three are out there, it's one of the best trios in the league. They can score in Minnesota. I really think they can. They just have to avoid turnovers. You know, Heineke has to, you know, hold on to the ball, not make mistakes, because you can't give Minnesota any more chances than, you know, they already have with, you know, Jefferson over there and Alvin Cook. 
Moving to the Vikings offense, you got Kirk Cousins. This will be the return game for him. First time coming back to FedEx as he left Minnesota. Excuse me, he left Washington for Minnesota. I'm sure he's going to get a warm reception on Sunday. Um, kidding. I'm sure he's going to get booed. I'm actually going to be at the game, so I'll, I'll see how what the reception is going to be like for Kirk. Um, but he has a 66.3 completion percentage, 1,734 passing yards, 11 touchdowns and five interceptions in the first seven games for them. Um, obviously, he's doing just enough to get that team to win. He's still a good quarterback in this league. Obviously, we know who he is. He's not an amazing quarterback, not a bad quarterback. He's average. Joe Bob, average, good quarterback. When he's on his game, he can help win you a game. When he's off his game, especially in prime time, he's going to lose. But, um, again, he's still you know a formidable quarterback in this league. Got Dalvin Cook, 114 carries, 561 yards, good for almost five yards a carry at 4.9 and five touchdowns. Alexander Madison's one of the best backup running backs in the league. He's, he still gets about five to ten carries a game for Minnesota, or at least touches. He had a touchdown last week. Justin Jefferson, top three receiver in this league right now. 55 catches, 752 yards, 14.5 yards per catch. Only has two touchdowns, but again, Justin Jefferson is well on his way to become one of the best receivers in history, the way he started off. He has the most receiving yards in his first two years of any receiver in NFL history. Um, and he's only added to that this year um, in year three for him. Adam Thielen isn't is slowing down with his age, but he still has 35 catches, 351 yards, and two touchdowns. KJ Osborne, their slot receiver, 21 catches, 185 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he's a good slot receiver. They have a good trio there. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's by far and away their best uh, receiver, number one, probably the best player overall. Um, but those two are really good threats opposite of Jefferson. And then Smith Jr., 22 catches, 168 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, right before I recorded this podcast, they just made a trade for TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson has the potential to be one of the top 10 tight ends in this league. Shocking, the Lions traded him in division from Minnesota. Don't know how much of an impact he's going to have on Sunday. Coming up on a Tuesday, I'm sure he'll get a package to play on Sunday against Washington. Um, but I wouldn't expect him to have a huge role. I'm assuming Irv Smith and um, the other tight end in Minnesota will be fine until Hawkinson's up to speed. But Hawkinson provides an element to this offense and is really going to help you know open up the middle of the field even for Justin Jefferson um, later in the year. Um, but they gave up a second and a fourth round pick for Hawkinson got back Hawkinson a fourth and a conditional fourth. Um, kind of surprised Detroit had to give up two fourths, but that's beside the point. TJ Hawkinson is now a Minnesota Viking. Get after Kirk. He gets flustered when he's thrown off the spot. Um, we know that going back to his Washington days, um, they need Sweat and Allen and Payne to step up big time. If Chase is playing, that will be huge. James Williams continue to play where he is. F.A. Obata, another guy who's been playing well these first seven or eight games. Um, and I would say bring the blitz. No, they don't blitz much. Del Real is not much of a style, but Kirk usually gets you know a little off his game when they're blitzing. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to switch them up and do something like that for um, this game. Contain Dalvin Cook um, like they have been. Continue to shut down the run. I thought they did a really good job for the most part against Jonathan Taylor to bring that same kind of effort um, in week nine against Minnesota. Um, Jamar Jefferson, Jamar Jefferson, excuse me, Justin Jefferson, stuff. Uh, I don't know anyone else can deny that. He's one of the best receivers in the league, one of my favorite ones to watch. He needs to be doubled. He can't be covered one-on-one, especially by Washington secondary of St. Juice, Fuller, and Wild Goose. They have to be physical with him. That's the only way that he's had some down game this year. Jeff Okuda did that against him earlier in the year, and it gets him off the spots. Jefferson, you know, is a thinner receiver, still very strong, but if you're physical with him, at least gets him, you know, it makes him frazzled to what he said, and he's still going to get his. I'm not saying he's not. He's probably still going to get 100 yards in this game, but if they can keep him under 120, 130, it's really going to help um, Washington, obviously, win the game. Thielen isn't what he used to be, but he still makes plays, especially in the red zone. Kirk looks for him, especially there, um, like I said, inside the 20, the red zone situations. Good offense, I'd like um, Kevin O'Connell, the former Washington coordinator, and they're clicking. I mean, they're 6-1. The offense has been good. Kirk has done just enough and is able to run that offense going back to his Washington base. He has familiarity with O'Connell. And I think, uh, you know, if the defense shows up again against that offense, it's, you know, been pretty well for Minnesota. Washington will have a chance. Washington's defense has not been the problem the last month. That's why they've been winning these games. I expect them to do it again against Minnesota. 
this will be a good game. I think it's going to be a true test. Um, this is one of the better opponents Washington's face um, so far this year. Minnesota six and one. I think they're going to come out strong at home and those all black unis. Hopefully, a nice little boost for them. First time wearing them at home. I'm going to give the Commanders a win here, 21-20. Not very confident about it, but I think Washington's going to show up. They want to make this statement game. They want to show to the NFC, um, NFC and the NFC East that they're a real contender for at least a wild card spot. Moving on to fantasy, of Garrett Wilson. Wide receiver from the Jets, the 10th overall pick in this past year. Was probably my favorite receiver to watch coming out in this past draft class. He had six catches, 115 yards um, last week against the Patriots. Um, Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback right now, but Garrett Wilson's a guy that um, is someone that Zach has been looking to recently. They had the Bills this week. I expect them to be down big. I expect Garrett Wilson to at least get some um, uh, garbage time points. They have the Jets tight end, Tyler Conklin. He had six catches, 79 yards, and two touchdowns last week against the Patriots. Also playing the Bills, obviously. Look for him to get some more targets as they're losing. Then you have the Ravens tight end, Isaiah Likely. Um, he might step up again for uh, Mark Andrews if he's out. He's a rookie, fourth-round pick at Coastal Carolina. He's real like there in Baltimore. I think he's someone to definitely consider considering how much Lamar Jackson throws his tight ends, especially if Andrews out. Kansas City running back, Isaiah Pacheco. Looks like he's a star now in Kansas City. He only had eight carries at 43 yards last week before that. Well, two weeks ago, he had the bye last week. But they have the Titans this week. Um, I expect them to continue to get more and more opportunities as the season goes on. Then you have the Kansas City wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. They just traded for him. This is more of a long-term play. They got the Titans this week, but um, obviously they have a role and vision for him. They give a third and a six for him. Uh, I think he, if he ever just stays healthy and just has a good mindset and doesn't be lazy, which is, is all accounts of what I've heard from him coming out of the Giants camp, he's someone that I'm sure um, Mahomes and Reed have some tricks up their sleeve for him. Then you have the Cardinals here, Rondell Moore. Seven catches, 92 yards on touchdown last week against Minnesota. They got the Seahawks this week. I've always let him go back to Purdue. He's like Mighty Mouse, 5'7". Uh, built really well, built like a running back. He breaks tackles, good speed. Um, I think he's going to lead you better as a Cardinal slot receiver. Falcons running back Caleb Huntley. I um, mean, 16 carries, 91 yards against the Panthers last week. They got the card this week. He's pretty much been their RB1, splitting time with Tyler Ledger. If you need someone in that running back three spot, he's someone to consider. And if you're in a super flex league or just have quarterback to buy, maybe Justin Fields, someone to consider the Bears quarterback. He had 151 yards passing last week and 60 yards rushing and three touchdowns. They have the Dolphins this week, another situation where they could be down big. Um, I expect, you know, Justice Fields can maybe get you 15 to 20 points um, this week going against Miami. But with that, that includes my own league episode. The Commanders like to get their fourth straight win this week versus the NFC North leading Minnesota Vikings. A win this week with them over 500 and show the game that they're a real threat for an NFC wildcard berth. We're going to the game this week for the first time since I was an intern there. You know, so hopefully they get a win. And I think they'll look clean in those new black uniforms, so I'm at least happy to see them. <laughs> I'll be back next week looking back to the Vikings game and preview in the Week 10 Miami football matchup versus the Eagles. You can follow me on Twitter at NFLScout21 and Instagram at IrmaLeague_Pod. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe. This is your host, Tyler Roman, signing off. See you next time.